How cool is that? Come on, that's so cool. Well, good morning, New Spring family. Uh, my name is Dan Leanne. I'm one of the teaching team here at New Spring Church, and we are so glad that you took time out of your busy weekend to come and worship God with your brothers and sisters. Uh, we really hope and pray that this is literally the most like empowering and joy-filled and encouragement hour of your week. Uh, if you came in here feeling like a two out of 10, we hope and pray that by worshiping God in song, listening to his word, uh, hugging, high-fiving, fist-bumping people around you, grabbing a free lemonade or a coffee, come on, it's gonna take you all the way to like a nine, and then you're gonna go hit Cracker Barrel, and that'll take you all the way to a 10. We love you, and we are so appreciative for your uh, being with us today. Uh, we are in the midst of a series called Women and Jesus. And I really believe that God has got something to say to each and every single one of us. There's something he wants to challenge. There's something he wants to change. And so just heads up, we're going to be doing some Bible study this week. And we're going to be doing some praying as we go throughout this message. But before I jump into it, can we just pray together? Uh, the Holy Spirit woke me up in the middle of the night. And just compel me to pray. And as I was praying, he gave me a, a picture of men and women, young and old, in our New Spring family, starting this message with their hands open, ready to receive. Not with a hard heart, not with closed eyes, not with a defensive mind, but with open hands. So can we just do that together in this room and on every single campus? If you're watching online, just, just open up your hands. Uh, if you're driving a car right now, please keep your hands on the steering wheel, but everyone else, let's just, let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be our leader, teacher, and guide this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you, teach us. Show us what we need to see. Challenge what needs to be challenged. Change what you need to change. And do it for your name's sake. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Women and Jesus. And man, I have loved this series. I've loved this series for a number of reasons. First and foremost, it's been a very clarifying series. We live in a day and an age where everyone has an opinion about everything. There's a lot of noise. And it's so important that we consistently and continually cut through the noise and listen for the still small voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks through the word and reveals the Father's heart. It's been so clarifying. In week one, Pastor Brad asked the question, how do you view women? And here's the reality. All of us have been affected by something regarding our view of women. There are women in this room who have been affected by their upbringing, the culture they were brought up in, societal standards, maybe the traditional church you grew up in, maybe the social media swamp you find yourself wading through, all of us have been affected by our upbringing and what we've been through regarding our view of women. Come on, men in this room, let's be real right now, what has affected your view of women? Your wife, your mothers, your sisters, the people you call sisters here at church, what has impacted your view because something impacted your view of women? It might have been the culture you were brought up in, the household you were brought up in, the father that you had when you were growing up. Maybe there was a view that was set by things you heard around a locker room. What has framed your view of women? 
Because if God designed women, we have to allow God, come on, to define women. And we want here at New Spring Church a wildly and bravely biblical view of women. Because as we look through the eyes of God, women are honored. Women are empowered. Women are loved. Women are valued. And we want that for every single person in our New Spring family. It's been an amazing series because it's been empowering for women. I look at the women in my life. My wife of 24 years, Krista, still looks like a teenager to this day. Uh, My daughter of 18 years who looks way too old for her age. And I want my uh, my, uh, dearly loved women in my life to feel empowered and this series has empowered them. Uh, I look at the women here in this room right now, specifically in the Anderson campus, but I know in our 14 campuses, there are amazing women of God I've been blessed to meet throughout the last couple of years. And I've loved this series because it's been empowering for the women in my life and the women in my church. Uh, Nothing quite empowers you like seeing a heroic example of someone you relate to. And I have to make a confession that throughout the years as a preacher and a teacher of the Bible, I haven't spent enough time leaning into the heroic women of the Bible. I think I naturally look for people like myself in the Bible. You know when you see a picture of yourself with a group of people, who do you look at? Yourself. And then you get told to look at it again. Who do you look at again? Yourself. (laughs) Look at it 10 times, you can't tell anyone who's also in that picture, but you know, come on, how you looked in that picture. And I've done that with the Bible. We've done that with the Bible. We've looked first and foremost at the heroic men and it's incredible to lift up incredible examples of faith-filled men, but I'm here to confess, I have way too often overlooked heroic women in the Bible. And there's something empowering about highlighting heroic women for women. You just relate to heroes that you see yourself in that much more. Uh, I experienced that recently by watching the movie Shang-Chi. Have you heard of Shang-Chi? It's like, I'm telling you, uh, it's like a Marvel superhero movie, but it's the first Asian superhero in the Marvel universe. And I rolled in there and I was excited because as a family, it's a bit of a tradition of ours, we roll into the movies to watch Marvel superhero movies especially. And and I thought it was gonna be cool, cool storyline, special effects and all that kind of stuff. But I was rocked by seeing someone who looked like me on the big screen. Saving the world and fighting crime. You know what I felt like doing after the end of the movie? (laughs) Come on, running around Anderson, South Carolina, trying to fight crime and somehow save the world. There's something about having a hero highlighted that empowers us to step into everything, come on, that God has planned for us. This series has helped many a sister in Jesus walk more passionately into every purpose that their good father has set aside for them. Amen, how cool is that? I want the women of New Spring Church to feel so valued, loved, honored, and empowered. This series has played a massive role in that. I've also loved this series because it's also been incredibly challenging. Jesus was never afraid to point to a woman and to identify a noble characteristic or quality and challenge the people around him to follow that as well. 
I'm thinking about a widow with her offering and her generosity. I'm thinking about a Syrophoenician woman and her tenacity and her faith. I'm thinking about a woman who broke a jar of perfume and anointed Jesus' feet as an act of worship to be followed. And over the last couple of weeks, our teaching team have highlighted different heroes that have been so challenging in the way they followed Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus, the woman by the well who became the first evangelist to Samaria. Last week, we looked at Mary of Bethany and how she displayed and modeled incredible discipleship by focusing on Jesus and Jesus alone. And this week, I wanna highlight another woman hero in the Gospels. And I'm here just to, with full disclosure, confess to you that I have underestimated this disciple for way too long. I have misread this disciple for way too long. But over the last couple of weeks, diving into her story, being challenged by her bravery, being moved by her integrity. I'm here to let you know, I've been left changed by my interactions with Mary Magdalene, and I hope and pray that you'll be changed by the story of Mary Magdalene too. Is that cool? Now, Mary Magdalene is, is such a uh, misunderstood character in the Gospels. I would go as far to say that maybe the most misunderstood of all the Gospel characters. There's been so much fiction written about her, it's hard to discern what is true or what is false. I remember doing a musical when I was in high school and it was called Jesus Christ Superstar. And, and, and I remember like the, the, the character of Mary Magdalene. A, a couple of years ago, there was a book uh, written and a movie made called The Da Vinci Code and there were some assertions about Mary Magdalene. Even when you watch Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, Mary Magdalene was framed in a very peculiar way. What's fascinating is when you actually read the Bible and delve into the story of Mary Magdalene, she basically has got nothing to do with a lot of these pictures that are drawn throughout history. Mary can be a little bit confusing as well because um, Mary was like uh, a very common name. There are six different Marys mentioned in the Gospels. Uh, and, and it's just because Mary was like the most common female name in the first century. Ma Mary was a derivative of the, of the name Miriam. And so there were a lot of Marys, like which one is Mary Magdalene? What did she do? Are they, is she the same person as the person who broke the, that, that jar? Like, like it's a little bit confusing. Mary was a very common name. Just like if you went to China, there's a lot of Wongs. And like here in America, um, you know, for, for, for a male, like John is a very popular, you know, name. If you were a part of a sorority, Ashley, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> Wow. No, seriously, I was at our Clemson campus the other week and I met this amazing, like this amazing group of sorority girls, but three out of five of them were called Ashley, all spelled different. <laughs> the name Mary was a very common name, but she was a very uncommon woman, marked by faith, integrity, and bravery, but sometimes her story is lost in that confusion. I wanna clarify for you once and for all who this Mary Magdalene was. Mary Magdalene was a brave disciple of Jesus Christ. She was a committed follower of the Messiah. She financially supported Jesus and his friends in ministry. As well as that, she was brave enough to be the last one at the cross when Jesus was being crucified and everyone had left. Guess what? She was also the first one back at the tomb 
to see if Jesus would keep his promise in rising again. And she was the first human in history to be entrusted with the message of the resurrection, the most important message ever to leave the lips of God and touch the ear of man. Does she she sound like amazing? Make me want to have another baby and call her Mary, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Baby, can we? No? Negotiations have broken down. And so what I wanna do is I wanna spend a couple of moments just exploring this amazing woman's story. And then I'm gonna challenge you, I'm gonna dare you, I'm gonna double dog dare you to allow the power and the integrity and the bravery of this woman to challenge you and to have you want to follow this disciple as she followed Jesus, is that cool? If you're taking down notes, you can pull out your leather bound journals and pens. I'm not saying you need to take notes during the preaching to get into heaven. I'm just saying, why take a chance? You know what I'm saying? I'm messing around. You can write down the sermon title, and the sermon title is this. There's something about Mary. If you have an iPhone or an iPad or a Google device or an Android device, you can open them up. There's something about Mary. What was it about Mary that challenges us to this day? Well, point number one. Mary was a woman of freedom. Everyone say freedom. Come on, say freedom like an Australian. Freedom. Say freedom like an American. Freedom. Freedom. I love how she's introduced in Luke chapter 8 and verse 1 and 2. This is the first time Mary Magdalene is talked about. After this, Jesus traveled about from town to town and village uh, to village to, uh, and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, was one of them. Look at this picture. There's a picture of Jesus and the disciples traveling around the countryside, healing the sick, raising the dead, blessing everyone that they touched, announcing the kingdom, bringing forth this glorious God work. And I remember as a younger Christian hanging around a church with Sunday school rooms and always had kind of pictures on the walls of Jesus and the disciples. And I always had this picture of Jesus doing his ministry only with a group of men standing by his side. But the picture is drawn clearly here that when Jesus went out to change the world, he had men, come on, and women by his side. And one of those women, the first one named, is a woman named Mary Magdalene from whom seven demons were cast out. There's no mention here of her being a sinful woman. There's no mention here of her being a promiscuous woman. There's no mention here of her being a prostitute. We simply know that she was a woman who had seven demons cast out of her. Now, what were these seven demons? I don't know. The Bible doesn't record it. And I believe the reason the Bible doesn't record it is because that isn't important compared to what happened to her when she met Jesus. I love how it says there were seven demons. Now, some people would read that and say, well, there were seven different issues that she had. But you've got to understand that in the Bible, numbers are very symbolic. And the number seven is the, is the number of completion. 
There are seven days. Seven is the number of completion. Or in other words, not only was she freed from her demons, she was freed of her demons completely. Come on, that's a deep encouragement to all of us here in this room. Because we live in a day and an age where we're told all the time, you know what, if you've got some issues, it's no one's right to bring it up because, you know, it's just, it's just who you are. And if they can't accept you for the way that you are, then basically kick them to the curb. Or I meet way too many Christians who, who live under that lie that tell them that that issue that you have in your life, that torment you have in your life, that dysfunction you have in your life, that addiction you have in your life, that thing you wrestle with in your life, hey, that's just going to be your life from here into eternity. I hear it all the time. It is what it is. And I get it. I know it's discouraging to feel like you're taking three steps forward and three steps back. I know what it feels like to find yourself in the bottom of a, a dark pit and you can't even see the light there at the end of the tunnel and you're wondering if God will ever step in and make a difference. Here, through Mary Magdalene's life, there is an answer given to that question and the answer is this, yes, when you walk with Jesus, you will find full freedom. You will see his grace. Come on, you're gonna see his goodness. You're gonna see his mercy. You're gonna see his strength, his might, his power, especially in the things that you hate most about yourself. If you would let him, he will fully free you. That was her story. What are the things you wrestle with today? Is it anxiety? Is it shame from your past? Is it that darkness that seems to follow you around? Is it that addiction that you keep hidden from everyone who you love? I'm here to declare in the name of Jesus, total and complete healing and freedom from that through a relationship, come on, with Jesus by the Holy Spirit. It challenges me because I get way too comfortable with the tor uh, torment and the turmoil in my life. I buy way too quickly into the is what it is kind of theology. I want you to hear me look into my tiny little eyes and read my luscious Asian lips. <laughs> it is what it is until Jesus says it isn't. And I want to even take a moment right now in our service if you have something in your journey that you know isn't full freedom, if it's anxiety that robs you of your sleep, if it's stress that robs you of your joy, if it's that sin that robs you of intimacy with the Father, if it's that addiction that robs you of life, whatever you find yourself continuing to return to, thinking that this will never break in your life, can we just take 10 seconds right now to knit faith and believe that our Jesus who brings full freedom, come on, can break that. Is that cool? So right in the middle of the service, just close your eyes where you are. And if that's you, and there is something that you're wrestling with and you need the power and the strength of heaven to help you get freedom in, if that's you, with every eye closed, would you just open up your hands again as an act of surrender? Just open them up. Dear Jesus, you made the promise that if we show humility, you would show grace. 
So hands are open as an act of humility. So add your grace. Give us strength and power by your freeing spirit to walk in the freedom and fullness that your blood purchases. In Jesus' name, amen. Mary was a woman of freedom. Mary was also a woman of generosity. Really quickly, Luke chapter eight, verse, verses two to three. It says, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Can you see what's happening here? Mary and a group of women were financially supporting Jesus. If you have one of those kind of, you know, old school chauvinistic views that, you know, like a woman should never ever pay for anything, well, the Bible is showing it very clearly that women were right there bankrolling Jesus and the boys right there from the beginning. Come on, so at lunchtime today, men, when that check come around, hey, baby, you just be like, like, but it's a beautiful picture of generosity. Where did Mary get her money from? No one knows. It could, have, it could have come from business, it could have come from an inheritance, it could have come from Bitcoin, it could have been that TikTok money. I've been to Magdala, Brad and I were there a couple of years ago and they discovered the ruins of Magdala. Uh, they were building, I think it was a Catholic chapel there and they had uncovered uh, the ancient ruins of Magdala and there was something fascinating about Magdala. Magdala had its own synagogue which meant that it was a very wealthy town. So it's a seaside port, a very wealthy space, kind of like Charleston out there, um, and Myrtle Beach, because never, hey, I love you, Myrtle. And, um, and it was a very wealthy town, but there was something very peculiar about the town. When they unearthed the houses, they found a lot of the houses had their own well. Now, Israel is basically in the Middle East, a desert environment. You can understand that water is like gold. And so our teacher and our guide, Arie, just suggested, they said, you know what, most likely Mary Magdalene had a lot of money because she had a house that had a living room that had water in it. No matter how she made her money, it's very clear that she knew what her money was for. And that was to make a way for Jesus and his work. Sometimes I think to myself, if Jesus came along to a Sunday morning church service and actually gave the offering talk, I wonder how people would respond. If we connected that our giving and our generosity, come on, directly goes into the work and the will and the wonder of King Jesus, I wonder how much more generous we would be. I wanna let you know, if you're a part of New Spring, we're a generous church and we give above and beyond we tithe and we, we have overflow offerings. We're gonna talk about overflow in the next month. But the reason we do it is not out of religious duty. It's out of passionate surrender to King Jesus. And we're passionate, come on, about seeing Jesus do more work in every single household in the state of South Carolina, in the nations of the world, in every sphere of society. 
Come on, we want to see more God activity on all of our major campuses in our universities through rally. We want to see young people, come on, set a light for the kingdom of God through our fused ministry. Come on, we want to see thousands and thousands and thousands of the next generation raised up to follow Jesus because they got Jesus on their level. Come on, through Kids Spring, the reason we give is not out of religious obligation. The reason we give is because we know that that makes a way for Jesus. Can that make it, does that make sense? Okay, this is how also Mary Magdalene's life challenges us. Not only was she a woman of freedom and a woman of generosity, I want you to write this one down. She was a woman of devotion. She was a loyal woman. She was a perseverant, hung in there woman. You'll see it here in the book of John chapter 19 and verse 25. Here, Jesus has been crucified. And the Bible says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cloypus, and Mary Magdalene. Everyone had left. People who had checked out, they'd given up on Jesus. The interested crowd who were all swelling around Jesus, wondering if he was gonna do a miracle that day and everyone was gonna catch a glimpse of the miracle, they had gone. Everyone who was following Jesus, trying to get something from Jesus, they had walked away. He was hanging on a cross. The word had spread. This Jesus guy, he's crazy, man. There were 5,000 people hanging out in the service one day and he fed those 5,000 with five fish subways. This guy's incredible, what am I gonna get? All of them had gone. The ones who were looking for the Messiah and thought Jesus was it, they had skipped town as well. This isn't the Messiah. They had taken their I heart Jesus t-shirt off and thrown it into the trash. This guy isn't it. He was going to overthrow the Romans and restore Israel and there he is hanging dead on a cross. Even his disciples had run away. The brave disciples. The men who were swinging swords a couple of days ago, they were now cowering in a basement or an upper room somewhere with the curtains drawn. But not Mary. Till the end. At risk of getting killed herself, she clung close to the cross. And that's a challenge, come on, to all of us because there have been a lot of things that have dragged us away from the cross, amen, in the last 15 months. The turmoil in society, there's been a lot of disruption, a lot of people who kind of had church as a part of their daily rhythm, now it's out of their kind of rhythm, and now, you know, the, the country club on a Sunday morning, it's a little bit more of a part of their rhythm, and they've been dragged away from Jesus and the cross. Come on, there have been others who said, you know what, I'm down for Jesus because Jesus affirms all of my beliefs and my biases. Jesus is kind of like me, but only wearing a toga. But now all these kind of crazy things are happening in the world. And, 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 and you know what, I don't feel like, like my church and Jesus are kind of standing up for the things that they, and that, being dragged away from the cross. Hey, unfortunately, way too many people like me have let down people like you, and through their failures, you have lost faith in Jesus, and a personality or a pastor has dragged you away from the cross. Be like Mary. I'm disappointed. I feel let down. But my connection to Jesus was never through what he could do for me. I'm holding on to the cross. You know what, there's a lot of disagreement in society right now, and it feels like everyone's angry at each other. And I don't know, 
I just know that this guy died for me. And he lives now to be with me. I'm holding on to the cross. Hey, you know what? There's a lot of people deconstructing right now. And they're asking questions about their faith and why they believe things. And you know what? There are a lot of things that need to be questioned. But this I will not. This Jesus changed my life and I'm holding on to the cross. Mary Magdalene held on to Jesus in a time of turmoil and strife. Be like Mary. Fourthly and lastly, not only was Mary a woman of freedom and a woman of generosity and devotion, Mary was also a woman with a word. I love that. John chapter 20, verse 16 to 18. This is after Mary goes to the tomb to put spices on Jesus' body. Everyone was still hiding. Could you imagine if your group leader was executed for crimes? You, you wouldn't want to be associated with your group leader anymore. Mary, brave and bold, she went out and in the face of a Roman government and questioning Jewish authorities, she went to lay spices on Jesus' body and found that Jesus wasn't dead, but he's alive. And Jesus talks to her and says, hey, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Can you see this? In a day and an age which devalued women, used women as a commodity, Jesus so honored and valued women that he invited them to be students of his as he would become loving teachers of them. And then Jesus tells Mary, don't hold on to me for I've not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Can you see there? Jesus tells Mary to go to the brothers with a message. I kept my promise. I'm alive. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. I need everyone to take a deep breath in through their nose. Breathe out now through your mouth. One more time. I know for a lot of people in our church, they have no issue with women teaching men, with women instructing men. In fact, I know there are a lot of people at New Spring Church who basically tolerate me and Brad and are just waiting for May week, after week, after week, you know what I'm saying? But there are some people in our church who are raised in a tradition where it was really weird to see a woman communicate authoritatively to a man. And I want you to hear me. Come on, look again into my little eyes and my luscious lips. This is not an issue that should break fellowship. This is a conviction that all of us have to come to a place of faith in. The Bible makes it clear that, that whatever you do, you have to do it out of faith. And all we're saying here is, would you be brave enough and bold enough to read the scriptures and to form a view through the lens of faith. And again, hear me well, this is not an issue to break fellowship over. 
I know for me, I was saved in a church that didn't allow women to teach. There are some verses there. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it's made very, very clear that a woman should not teach. And I didn't know many verses in the Bible, but for some reason I knew that one. And so, so, so imagine my shock and surprise when I had finished my time doing accounting and I wanted to go into the ministry and start a Bible college and my first lecturer that rocked my world was a woman. Her name was Denise Highland and she was brilliant. And I just, I'm gonna confess to you, for the first month, I was like this in the class. Doesn't she? And the irony of the class is, the class was exegesis, which literally means learning how to interpret the Bible. So I thought I'd do Denise a favor and I'd explain to her some verses that she had obviously overlooked. And I remember so clearly she didn't fight. And I wanna do the same thing. She asked me just to humbly read the Bible and to form a faith-based conclusion about women teaching. She asked for just the rest of the semester, but to approach it with an open heart. And so I did. And here we go. This is me, all right? And if you're angry, send me an email, all right? It's dang.liang at newspring.cc, all right? As I journeyed, this is not because someone told me I needed to believe this. I couldn't get past the fact that when I read 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 1 Timothy chapter 2, it's very clear that Paul is speaking to a very specific situation happening in the Ephesian church and the Corinthian church in that moment. And the decisions and edicts he was making were responding to a very peculiar circumstance. And I think people who don't believe women should teach in church kind of instinctively know that as well. How do I know that? Because I haven't met anyone who applies the women should not teach as well as the next part of that verse, women should remain silent. I haven't met many people saying that women shouldn't make any noise in church. Partly because you instinctively know that it was contextual, partly because men, come on, you know, that's you running the risk of losing your life, homie. Like, <laughs> you instinctively know it. As well as that, as you read the New Testament, this is for me, my reading, this is my conviction. As you read the New Testament, it's clear that women played, come on, a significant role in the story of the church. They prophesied and they prayed and they sung holy psalms and songs and they were, they were entrusted with the delivering of the book of Rome. I'm telling you, it's clear that that First Testament church was powerfully impacted by the voice of women. And thirdly, and maybe most importantly, I've been deeply impacted by the ministry of women. Denise Highland would flow to Nicole Connor, who was the teaching pastor at the church that I came from in Melbourne, Australia. And still to this day, Meredith Knox. If you can sit 
in a room and hear the Bible taught that way and say that women should be silent, if that is where you are, operate from faith in that space and let's continue a conversation. Let's not break fellowship. But for me, I know that I'm rocked every single time. Come on, I sit under Mayor's teaching. And to know what she has to go through to deliver it, to know some of the angry emails she's gonna have to read that week after she did deliver it. But I'm glad there are women like Mayor in my church because I want my daughter, Caitlin, to be raised in a church where she's told if God gives her a word in her mouth, she can speak it. And this is, I'm not trying to humbly have a view, but make sure it isn't framed by tradition or a verse you heard, but by diving into the heart of God. And hear me well again for the third time, look into my little eyes and read these luscious lips. I'm not saying that we can explain everything we don't like in the Bible as long as we put the right spin on no, but in everything, we want to be bravely and wildly biblical. Can someone say a good amen to that? She was a woman with a word. You've got a word. The resurrected Jesus showed himself to you and life will come if you open up your mouth about it. Come on, you've got a word. The resurrected Jesus told you, sweetheart, tell everyone about me. Come on, you got a word. You don't need a microphone on your face or a stage to stand on. But if that time comes, you better swing for the fences. So as we wrap our time together, we ask this question that we ask at the end of every message. What is God saying to you? Come on, what's God been saying to you over the last 36 minutes? Has he been saying, man, you need to work out more because Dan's looking big in that t-shirt? Or <laughs> has he been talking to you about freedom? Come on, because there's a conversation you need to have. With a small group leader, with a pastor, come on, we're committed to your freedom. Has he been talking to you about generosity? Some of you all have pulled back from your generosity. We need to step deeper into, come on, bringing the kingdom to this earth. Amen? Has he been talking to you about your devotion? Some of us have gone from every single week to like once every five or six weeks. Has he been talking to you about the fact that you have a word and you need to be brave enough to speak it? Because once upon a time, a Mary from Magdala opened her mouth and changed the world. What has God been saying to you? And what are you gonna do? Can everyone just stand to their feet right now? And on every single campus in a few moments time, a pastor's gonna come out and shepherd this moment. But with your eyes closed, can I just speak a blessing over you? We wanna be hearers of the word and doers of the word. Can someone say a big amen to that? So what move are you gonna make out of this interaction with Jesus? Father, we love you. Jesus, we exalt you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Empower us to do something 
out of what you have challenged. We trust that you can. We trust that you will. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.